Hello, this is, we have Ryan Esla. Is that how you say your name? Yeah, it's Ryan Esla. Ryan Esla. So, um, Family Like a Ghost is a show where we interview indie artists from around the world. And we have Ryan Esla on the phone. You're from California? Yeah. Is Los Angeles or some other part of No, um, I'm from, well, I'm, I was born in Hayward, but I'm from uh, Bakersfield. Okay. So, I was looking at your um, SoundCloud, and you've got um, your, a lot of your music out there, and you have it tagged as uh, "slug noise." Yeah. As the trend, is that that the, that how you'd want it described on this podcast? Um, yeah, just because everyone that I've talked to about my music, they have a really hard time pinpointing what my genre is. I get a okay. I get a bunch of different genres. No one ever is able to pinpoint an exact genre that my music is. So. Are you able to use a headphone? Because I'm getting some static. The last person I interviewed had the same problem. If you could hook up like a headphone to your phone, it might get rid of it. Yeah, let me try to find some. I don't think that I have any on me, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, because we're getting this kind of clicking. Yeah, I can Uh, hear it too. Yeah, it's disappointing. Yeah, some, for some reason, the, the audio through the, maybe turn down your phone a little bit. Maybe it's too high. I don't know. Try that. It's lower now. Yeah. I think it's a little better. Um, yeah, so you have the questions I sent you, right? Yeah. Okay, so we usually start with that. So at what age did you first get into music? Okay, so I got into music very young. Um, as far as I can remember, I come from a family full of musicians and, uh, the DAW program Fruity Loops came out the year that I was born. So I've been using it since I was physically able to randomly click stuff on there. So, um, yeah, I've just been into it for that. I would probably say just, you know, my whole life. So you started to work on, on music as soon as you had that Fruity Loops program. So have you been continuing to use Fruity Loops? Or are you using other dolls? Yeah, actually, I still use Fruity Loops because they managed to make it even better every time they upgrade it. So you, do you use that on a PC or your phone? I use it on PC. PC. So your style of music has a very like heavy metal kind of punk edge to it. Um it kind of reminds me of a couple of bands that I kind of wrote down when I was listening to it. I, I, oh, yeah. I hear like Joan Jett and the Runaways, oh, Nine yeah. Inch Nails, PJ Harvey, you know, like Riot Girl type of sound. Yeah, yeah so really cool. I, I can hear that. Yeah, so, um, yeah definitely. It's interesting they use the Fruit Loops because it has a very metal sound. It sounds like like people actually play guitar and heavy, you know, like it was like done by like a punk riot girl, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a really good accomplishment because um, I, I, I can appreciate I'm a keyboardist and I'm always trying to sound like guitars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So so I always have try to have my Moogs sound like guitars. So you're doing with Fruity Loops what I do with my Moogs and my Jupiters. Yeah. I, um, I love what, That's pretty cool classes. that you're able to get that sound. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. So your influences, if you were going to say who your influences are, I know you have your tag as Slug Noise, but some of the bands you kind of seem to nod your head, you know, verbally, are, are there yeah. artists that you look up to that inspired you to have your sound? Yeah, well, um, 
in terms of like my my actual sound um i really like the guitar and all that to kind of sound somewhat like derived from melt banana melt banana is one of my favorite bands of all time it's a japanese noise band Oh, cool. and uh yeah their guitarist is my favorite guitarist of all time um so i really like that i like interpol a lot which is kind of like a new wave-ish thing and i use that mm-hmm. that's kind of like where i get my bass from and then uh, vocally it just it ranges from a bunch of different people that you know do vocals from like the guy from rudimentary peni to like courtney love from hole and just a bunch of random people that i've managed to like over the years yeah, Hole is another band I should have referenced. Yeah, it has that kind of grunge sound. Yeah, I've been told that too. Yeah, because like, like I grew up with like the Sex Pistols and the Clash and Joy Division. Yeah. You know, in New Order, Depeche Mode. So I can kind of get where you're going. And it's it's really cool because I've always liked that kind of intersection between like New Wave or New Romantic and Punk. Yeah. You know, you get bands like Talking Heads that kind of went from, you know, being punk to new wave. Yeah. And you get a band like Joy Division, which was like the beginning in like 79 of kind of that new wave sound mm-hmm. um, with with they're one of the you know early beginners of that sound. Even before the Sex Pistols, they were kind of digging into that sound. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really interesting um, where people come from today. And I, I just talked to like in the last three interviews I've talked, the bands I've talked to are alternative punk rockers. Yeah. I I talked to a punk rock band on Friday from Australia. I just talked to a punk rock band from Texas. It seems like within the indie community, this type of sound, like your slug noise, punk, alternative indie rock, seems to be coming resurgent. Which is really cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I feel like there's a lot more people now doing it than when I was 12 years old going to punk shows. I, I think that yeah. there's a lot more people now. When I go to shows, I see a lot more young faces as opposed to when I was 12 and I saw mainly like 30 year old people at shows and stuff. Yeah, I'm in my 50s, so <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool to see younger people into that sound. I think it's kind of what happened like when Courtney, and Kurt got on the scene. We had just come out of like this hair metal kind of, you know, MTV new wave era mm-hmm. with the, you know, everything didn't feel authentic. And, you know, Nirvana and Hulk and, and Pearl Jam and all those, you know, all the grunge bands, like, uh, you know, they just brought back the honesty, I think, in yeah. music in terms of, is that why you, you're drawn to the slug noise? They, they, you feel like it's a, a more, um, direct way to express yourself um in a sense yeah i just think also um not only you know is it nice to have something that pinpoints my exact sound um but if i happen to find you know other music that also kind of is similar to my music that you know also doesn't fit a category i could i can kind of at least say that to myself you know i don't have to tell everyone to call Mm. that band that but you know at least to myself and be like hey you know that's kind of cool that's interesting because you you've got a really a feel to your music that doesn't sound like it came out of a digital audio workstation yeah uh, which is really i think that's that's really i think they're, they're uh, cool i mean it's, i find it very in, in um very interesting because i was very I, I i didn't realize that you were using you know a doll for that well, sound because it sounds like it's more raw i record 
guitar and bass and my voice. Um, the drums are all on FL. Um, I just mess with them a bit. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when I record, I record that way, too. Um, I add, like, the glitches to the guitars and stuff. But um, it is the, the guitar and the bass that it's still, like, actual oh, guitar and bass. Oh, cool. That's why I could hear yeah. that. It felt, it felt like that kind of real punk aesthetic, which I, I kind of drawn to, even though my keyboard is, I'm kind of, like, a lot of keyboards would tell you they're frustrated guitar players. They wanted to play, yeah. like, a Les Paul or a Strat, but we were better at playing yeah. keyboard. <laughs> I, I actually so I started off on, a, really good on keyboard. Sound. Oh, yeah, you did? Yeah, that was really, well, it really probably helps with my production. dad's a keyboardist. But does it, doesn't it help as a, being a keyboardist to help with like music production? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I always tell people, you know, I think that's a really good starting instrument because it's a lot easier to, to go into other instruments and stuff because you already have like an ear for things and it, it already kind of makes sense in your head, you know? It's really easy to apply to other instruments and actual like programs yeah. and stuff. Does it help it when you're like, like to use a MIDI keyboard or you'd be able to be familiar with the keyboard? Yeah. You know, I like, yeah, I, I construct, you know, drum patterns, bass patterns, mm-hmm. chord arrangements, you know, with the left and right hands. It just allows you to have the whole song written. You know, you can write all yeah. the parts. That's one of the things I like about being a keyboard. Because I was in bands when I was in, you know, my teens. Okay. And, and what happened was like everybody stopped coming to practice. And then I said, well, I need a bass player. I need a guitar player. I said, well, I can do all that on my, on my Moog and my Roller. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, well, I'll just go and write everything myself. Yeah, that's, that's basically <laughs> what I did. Um, I have a band now, but when I started doing this uh, a year or two ago, my, my actual like Rin Estla project thing, um, I started it off by myself entirely. So I did all of it. Um, now I do have a full band, but I still write everything except for the guitar. Now the guitar is done by my husband, so I do almost everything entirely by myself. Does that does that really give you? A, I think when I've talked to singer songwriters that do that level of production, they feel like you you're controlling. Uh, we're not controlling, but you're able to get your yeah. vision. Like yeah, what I, I like know exactly what you mean. I I usually have a hard yeah. time finding a different word too for it, but I just it's really nice yeah. to be able to be like in control of what the outcome's going to be. Because if you're in a band, which I'm in like another band. Um, if you're in another band or in a band in general, um, it's it's a lot harder to get something to sound exactly how you want it to sound. So there's a lot more compromising. Whereas I'm not yeah. compromising with myself, you know. Yeah. So your Rin Asla project, you're able to be your your vision of what your song is is probably what like it gets like ninety eight percent or ninety percent of what you want because you're you're able to to have that yeah, control I'd... if you're in another project it's kind of like okay well if you're in a band you kind of have to defer to other bandmates because that's the nature of being in a yeah. band. <laughs> um, and I just I end up writing all of it and then I have my husband do the guitar after everything's already written so it still gives me like that you know kind of overall uh, stamp of approval still because I mean he can't he can't do too much damage yeah. with a guitar control right <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I think it's just like the satisfaction of being yeah. able to know what you heard yeah, in your head is actually still still what you, what you yeah, heard it in comes your head. From me, it's a, it's a part of me, you know. It's an emotion that I felt at a certain point in time, and every instrument is a different part of that emotion. So, do you like? Do you feel as a songwriter, singer songwriter, that like the songwriting process is kind of cathartic that it helps you get through 
life. Like I find a lot of musicians, like they write no matter what, because music, it kind of helps them get through all the issues in their life. You know, they use it as a yeah. tool. Um, Would well, you say that as a songwriter? Yeah, because I, I get told very often, you know, that I have, I have a hard time expressing myself unless it really comes to music. Um, I, I usually keep to myself in general kind of a bit. So the only time that I really show what kind of person I really am is through my music. And a lot of it is kind of satirical. So it shows like that side of me too, the more like playful yet like mm-hmm. serious kind of side where I'm like, I'll, I'll say something like satirical about something that I take very seriously. Oh, so you kind of like, do you feel like when you're, when you play music or if you're on stage, do you, do you bring this on stage? You do live yeah. shows? Uh, I, I do like kind of a, I don't know how people describe it. People say that like, I, I do kind of like a, I make like a certain, I have like a certain demeanor. I don't really know how to describe it. Well, I think they will, some people call it like stagecraft. They, they, a lot of times, um, musicians are like method yeah, actors. That's, that's what I do. Um, yeah. I, I kind of so you would say yeah, you're like I, that. The best way I can kind of describe it is like how Ian Curtis kind of like does certain things. Yeah. Uh, it's more of like a like a drugged kind of persona thing. Like a joy division kind of. Yeah, kind like of I look slur my words when I sing, and you know I I mumble and I I look kind of like yeah. It's, it's just it's hard to well, explain. <laughs> but, you know, I get it because like you know if you go back to like Johnny Rotten had had like a yeah, whole act. Like, for the yeah, sex to me, I'm, you know? I'm Renesla, the whole act thing. You know, my music is mean and satirical, and it's like everything is just kind of like a character for me. That's what a lot of people, I think a lot of people don't realize, like a lot of musicians, they're, they're, they're similar to yeah. actors. Like David Bowie used to say it a lot. Like he th- felt the theater really pushed him out there because he tried to be David Jones, um, he tried to play it straight, like Lady Gaga tried to come out uh-huh. as herself, and, and it didn't yeah. work. But when he turned himself into Bowie, and when Lady Gaga turned herself into Lady Gaga, that character is what worked. Um, so people kind of put a mask yeah. on when they're on stage, and they become like this other me. And that's why I've noticed, like, they're very successful at becoming the other me. You get these, like, you know, lead singers, you know, Axl yeah, Rose and Robert Plant. Freddie Mercury, you know, Lady Gaga. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, too. You know, Madonna. I'm, they, they, I'm on stage, and yeah. I'm saying, like, I'll, I'll sing something that's more mean than I actually would want it to come out if I was actually talking in a serious manner. Um, you know, I'll... Yeah, you kind of become, yeah, your, become your character that you create. It feels nice because it's, like, carefree, you know, I can kind of just get something off my chest, but, like, in, like, a harsh way, you know? Like, how certain people say that they feel more satisfied when they get revenge except i'm not actually hurting a person when i do this yeah it's like well you know like de niro and pacino play these really you know mean like violent yeah, but criminals then, you know, by that, but then, by that's the not who the they day, are you know I, I come home and i play with my dogs and i'm sweet to my husband so you know yeah it's like every any actor that can play like you know that kind of yeah. dark role you have to come like Heath Ledger. I mean, he became the Joker. He became known for that, but that's not. Yeah, who I feel he was. like that's why people pay to but see you, me anyway. You know, people don't pay to see me like yeah. how they normally see me because they can normally see me like that any day. You know. 
Yeah, I think what a lot some artists say, you know, that you know, artists that just come out with their blue jeans and their t-shirt, that's fine. But part of what being an entertainer is the stagecraft in the show. And it also gives you a little cover. Because if you come out as you, yeah. then everybody like knows you and they know everything about you. And it's kind of it's like it's hard to have that mask. It's kind of better as an artist some in some ways to have that other kit, yeah. other you that's different so people don't you can have a little yeah. distance for yourself you know that's why I've, I've talked to people kind of go either way i've had people say well i want to be an authentic like country like uh like just singing like um acoustic kind of unplugged folk musicians tend to be more who they are um where like rock musicians and you know it's synth wave edm hip-hop people can kind of create characters and it's not exactly who yeah. they are it's part of who they are but but it's the mask and the stagecraft. It's always very interesting to me because I think musicians are like reading when they write really good music. It's like reading a novel. You know, you're reading like a sonic mm-hmm. novel with your ears. You know, and it, everybody has their own like way of presenting the the world. And and you get into if you get into really good music, you can kind of get feel the pictures of, in the sonic paintings that people yeah, are making. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so the so song Sleep is like your latest track, um, right? Yeah, that one's the latest one that I've released. Now, I like to ask artists about like how you constructed that song and what, what you were feeling and what you kind of would want the audience to get out of it. Though people will interpret music in different ways, but when you created that song, yeah. can you kind of talk uh, about that? So when I write any song, usually um, I'll just start playing something random, whether I start on bass or drums. It's usually either either or. Um, and then I'll follow with, you know, the, the other one that I didn't do yet. And, um, I'll get like, kind of like an emotion to it and I'll, I'll be thinking about a few things that I'd, I want to write songs about eventually. And one of them will kind of be embedded in me a little bit deeper than the other ones. And that one will be the one that I kind of play more off of. So if I'm angry, you know, the angrier kind of like tone will come out. And I'm like, okay, well, that's that's the one instead of the sad one that I'm thinking about, you know. And so I'll do that. Um, and then for this song specifically, um, I was already I had been sad for like for like a few weeks. I was just not feeling the best, and uh, I was writing a bunch of music, but I wasn't finishing anything, and it was really bugging me. And um, I started writing this one, and this one I ended up knocking out in a day, super fast. Oh, sorry, I have like a million dogs. One of mine. <laughs> Well, I heard, yeah. I heard, heard your dog. Yeah, I heard dogs. Uh, I, Hope he's yeah, okay. I dogs. Uh, but anyway, uh, so the song, um, I was, uh, I was, you know, feeling bad, and I wrote this song in a day, and immediately, like, I, I knew exactly what I was going to write it about. Um, as soon as the instrumental was done, I was like, I, I know exactly what I'm gonna write about, and I just wrote about, you know, how um, I don't really like the concept of having to take medication to make yourself feel better because like it can make someone feel like people only like them when they're on something, you know, like people won't like them when they're they're themselves. And, uh, you know, some people have that delusion and stuff and it can, it can make it worse. And so that song is basically about that. Um, you know, someone taking something the wrong way and all that. So, well, that's 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 cool to, to understand where where you're coming from, but 
because that's 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 the whole part of uh, singer songwriting is um, you know how you felt and how how that song came about. You know, I've always um, you know watched lots of documentaries with different artists talk about how they came to their ideas. Um, so, do you typically like one of the other questions I ask is some artists like they let their musician they let their instruments kind of talk to them and they kind of pick up something and they're like oh they've got it and then other artists will tell you they they got the melody is like in their head and they're able to translate it like exactly are you a musician that like well it comes like different ways do you get complete yeah. thoughts as um, music sometimes pieces? i'll i'll try to write music or i'll i'll just be like thinking about music in general and i'll hum something and i'll be like oh crap i should record that really quick before i forget it and i'll go into my little memos thing in my phone and i'll record it i'll hum into it or uh, if i'm writing something as I'm writing it, I'll kind of hum something that's a little different than that, and that becomes the vocal melody. Um, so th- those mm-hmm. those are usually the the two things that that happen quite a bit in my writing process. That's cool because a lot, I mean, a lot of times if I'm just noodling on my synths, because I have like analog synths that mm-hmm. kind of talk to me, because they have this kind of nature and like they're different every time you turn them on. <laughs> And so, like, a different tone comes out of my Moog, and it drives me to write something in a different way, just because every time I turn it on, it warms up in a different way, and it's yeah. kind of like a living thing. It's not like a digital sense, so it's, every time I t- talk to my Moog, it feels like it's connected to the universe, which is weird, because the guy, Robert Moog, who built the, the Moogs, he said when he built them, he felt like he was making an instrument that kind of picked up vibes from the universe. And that's kind of a real hippie thing yeah. for an engineer to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but my experience with my instruments is that those the modes themselves they tend to be like mm-hmm. that, which is kind of drives me to use a lot of analog equipment. Yeah, I I used to uh, be a lot more into synthesizers than I am now. I still am quite a bit, but I used to be like, I was so dead set on that. I wanted to be just like Trent Reznor because my dad wanted to be like Trent Reznor. So, um, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, he's a big, I'm yeah, a big fan I too. For, uh, <laughs> you know, computer engineering, uh, tried to get the same kind of degree as him so I could build my own synthesizers. And, um, cause he also did that and he would go like on tour and he would sell like whatever he had made to people after he was done using it. Yeah. He's a big modular guy. He built stuff. Modular yeah. And it's sense, like, like, it's a heavy. really cool concept to make sounds that like, you know, no one else is going to use those sounds in their music. That's yours. Like, you made that sound from nothing. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of doubled down on that in my career. I have nothing but modulars and, and, mo- and modes. So I kind of don't, I, I can just build my own tones all the time. Um, and it's kind of where, I, where, I, where I'm living right now. I mean, I have some digital stuff, but I, I primarily like, because it kind of has the feel that I grew up like liking punk music and I like, you know, being able to build my own stuff, whether it's on a guitar or a keyboard, but it's just cool to build your own tones, and then you know you don't have to worry about licensing or anything. You just yeah, you did it yourself. So yeah, yeah but I can see where like you you can do do a lot of things with the modern DOS, and I always have these questions about to people, you know, because some bands are like, oh, I'm a dollless guy, or I'm a heavy into DAW, or I'm I'm into samples. And and so, what what's your like uh, like view in terms of music and you know people using heavy sampling or using uh, you know DAW technology 
but I think you kind of got to like balance everything that that's out there. You know, you have your you have your instruments, you have yeah. your digital stuff. I think you, you can kind of balance it out between what tool or what instrument is the best to suit what you're trying well, to do. Um, everything that I have out right now um, doesn't really show exactly what I plan on having in my music when it's officially released. Once I put everything on Spotify mm-hmm. and stuff, it's going to show that I, I'm going to use a lot more um, a lot more effects to kind of give it more of that, that noise vibe because um, I, I really love mm-hmm. noise music. Um, and all, all I have so far is the, the delay in the, the little demos that I posted. Um, yeah, I'm going to have Oh, so you're going to add too, a lot more um, effects. I, like... I really like, like what Rob Zombie does where he has... I swear that guy has all the best samples from every like great horror movie ever, but he has all these samples and all his music. Yeah. Like, I feel like almost in the beginning of like almost all his songs. Um, and I, I want to. Yeah. It's kind of like the bomb squad, you know, from <laughs> public enemy used to have this amazing yeah. use of samples where they kind of were able to do it in a very creative way. Yeah. And Rob Zombie and does it, the that's same also, thing. I think like really yeah. artistic. It's really creative because that adds a part of you as well someone else's artwork so i yeah i think it's really i love you when people use samples they don't yeah. just take like two minutes and do an ice ice baby they do something yeah. really innovative <laughs> i totally get what you mean <laughs> um yeah i love that too and i i grew up on on hip-hop and little goth kid music so all i heard was like samples and stuff like that and people use them in really creative ways it was really cool yeah, my latest obsession is I have a Eurorack sampler mm-hmm. from a company called Make Noise, and I take like drum mm-hmm. beats from songs I wrote, and then use my Morphogene sampler to deconstruct the drum beats from songs I already wrote, and, and it allows me to create like something yeah, new really from cool. something old. And then you can just take like you know, take 15 seconds or five seconds of a drum um, song, you know, sound mm-hmm. from another song and create a whole new kick or a whole new bass drum or, you know, tom and then put it into a pattern that yeah. you never even imagined. Um, and it just allows you to kind of reimagine and reuse your, 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 your reservoir, your library yeah. of your own stuff. And it's really you know, some of the modern samplers have a lot of capability to let you do stuff that's really creative. So I, I appreciate that big time. But like, what type of effects are you like into um, um, in terms of effector? You well, know, a lot of people talk about phasers or flangers or digital delays really or tape like delays. I really like digital or... delays a lot. Um, the pedals that we use live are the Boss DD5 and DD6. Um, those okay. ones I got because like I said before, I'm obsessed with Melt Bananas guitarist, and uh, he has a bunch of really sick pedals. Uh, and some of them that he uses a lot are the the DD5 and the DD6. And what you do is you turn on the the delay on one of them, and then like kind of like to where it's like almost like an echo effect really quick. So it's like a very slight lag, and then mm-hmm. you use the other one to step on it and like glitch it basically you just click on it really fast instead of yeah and it glitches it instead of making it like a long it. loop and so that's i i do a lot of that in my yeah, music that's um, interesting i like to mess with like reverb and chorus stuff i like 
What do you think of like spring reverbs? Like, have you played with like spring um, reverbs? I don't know what that is. Well, a spring reverb is a reverb that actually uses a physical spring rather than a digital oh, okay. um, process. So there are effect pedals, um, like Moog built some effect pedals a long time ago. And um, back in the 70s, there were like spring reverbs that actually physical springs. And my Moog, my, one of the modes I have, I just bought, actually has a physically okay. physical spring reverb. And it has a, a characteristic that is very organic in its sound. It gives you a reverberation, but it actually goes through a physical spring. So it gives you a sound that, on a reverb that you wouldn't get okay. from a digital process. Yeah, that sounds preferable. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, yeah, it's like a Moog or Frogger um, digital um, pedal is mm -hmm. an analog digital delay, and it sounds different than than a, than a, you know, like a digital delay. It's okay. a, it's a delay, but it's analog. So the spring is a is an analog um, reverb in the same way that the Moog delay is analog. So analog like effects can have a different sound. Like there was an old Roland um, tape um, delay, like a space echo. It actually it was an effect system that went through a tape and you'd run your guitar through this tape and it would, it, it was like a 15 minute long loop and it would run your guitar through that. And it sounds like, it doesn't sound like anything else. If you use it, you know, people use them in studios because they're hard, hard to find. It costs <laughs> like five grand or something, but um, they just, they just give your guitar a sound it's like otherworldly. It doesn't sound like anything else. That's cool. So there's yeah. all kinds of cool stuff you can do. But so I can get it. I mean, digitally you can mm -hmm. find things that can replicate those. Um, but but it's just interesting if you, if you look at the history yeah. of some of these um, devices. But um, so what are your thoughts like in this age of um, the Corona crisis and oh. you know bands being locked down and not able to get to studios are, are you changing um, how you do things um, I, given corona in terms of what you're working on very inconvenient for all local artists right now um just because we have so many shows planned for summer as you know that's that's one of the busiest times for shows and uh we had to shut everything down a lot of people are doing like lives on instagram and facebook um they're doing all right they're not too popular but it's making harder for bands like that and um like merch sales aren't aren't that great right now for artists as well um i think that were you doing your merch yeah, like usually at the people, shows people will do merch at shows um or just in general like even if we sell it online you know right now people are losing their jobs and stuff like that the last thing they want to do is buy a t-shirt yeah so they don't have the money to buy a t-shirt yeah yeah they won't have it yeah it well, in a crisis, then people yeah, exactly. aren't going to spend money on so art. So it, it is hard, but um, I'm using this time, as a lot of artists I know are as well, um, to write more music and, you know, perfect what we already have, make sure that once the shows are able to be played again, we have a bunch of stuff for them. We have new material, you know, we have new merch, we have just, you know, we're, we're just trying to make something of the time that we have. Yeah, yeah, I've been doubling down on recording. I've been doing I've been doing a lot of Twitch mm -hmm. and Facebook Live and then and then you know, recording lots of stuff. Um and then also, you know, doing this podcast. I've been doubling down doing like yeah. three, four episodes a day. <laughs> um but but uh what's interesting is like 
like SoundCloud actually has put like a donation button on their site for people's profiles um, at, at a certain tiers, like certain, like, so if you're a SoundCloud artist now, they actually have donation buttons that you can put on your profile. They actually allow bands to get money by PayPal yeah, that's from cool. their fans. So they're doing, I heard Spotify yeah, is getting ready to do the same type of thing. And Apple Music is getting ready to do the same thing. So there's, they're starting, you know, some of the, you know, the companies that do the streaming are starting to realize that the bands don't have the source of income. So they're trying to yeah. make it so fans can support I bands if they want to help too, bands Because out. before this whole coronavirus thing started to get in the way of the bands being able to perform and all that, um, we were we were starting to notice that more people were going the independent route. I knew a lot more bands that weren't trying to get signed by record labels. They're just trying to be big on their own. Or I knew a lot of independent labels and things like that. And it was really cool seeing all these people start to go more towards art and stuff because we're starting to get in this time period where people want to be artists. People don't want to be at an office job, you know? Um, we have a lot more people. I think we're working yeah. for a romantic yeah. era where, you know. Yeah, I feel like we're in a whole new age of indie music. You know, like I said, the last couple of bands I've talked to have been very, mm-hmm. you know, alternative indie kind of, kind of, you know, leaning toward mm-hmm. grunge alternative rock again, which is very exciting because sometimes, you know, we're in an era where there's all types of music. You know, there's many different genres. But the singer-songwriter has always been very important to me in, in music because you really get, yeah. get to hear, like, somebody's vision. It's, and it's like reading a, a novel, like a sonic novel, like I said, I keep on saying that. But I believe that that's why people get satisfied back in the 70s, you know, you had an album like Tapestry. It, it was very satisfying because Carol King was able to say something very powerful in her music. It was a full, like you know, her own voice coming out clearly, not some other songwriter creating a manufactured, you know, hit. It's actually the honesty, like a Dylan, you know, coming out. And that's why I think people like, you know, Courtney Love and they liked Kurt Cobain because they felt like that was, yeah. that was what was happening again. And, and I, I, I really get heartened by, by what's going on with the music. And even though we're in this crisis, I see a lot of people, are going back to album format. Yeah. They're going back to telling stories and not just doing like jingles or things that are just kind of like uh, club bangers. And that, that's cool. Yeah. But it's cool to actually hear somebody. I feel like mainstream media has something. started to care more about the image than the actual quality of the music itself. Not to say that any of the artists aren't good, but that they seem to care mm-hmm. more about how they look than what they're giving to people. And with independent artists, they don't seem to care about that anywhere near as much at all. So we, we're giving more genuine music to people. And the internet is really helping us reach that out to other people. So people are starting to go more towards indie stuff. I see a lot more house shows going on for all kinds of genres. And I, before, before the virus happened, stuff yeah, was sure. really starting to, to grow in the, in the local scenes. What I found is like I would I play in New York and Boston and what was going on is like there was a point where like I'm a band that has keyboards and I have road mm-hmm. case and I have to you know I'm a band and and if you say you're electronic a lot of times it's oh you you're just a 
running your CDJ and you got your Pioneer deck and you don't need to do a sound check and you can just walk off stage. Yeah. But I've got, you know, <laughs> Wurlitzers and Jupiter's mm-hmm. like, I'm a band, you know, and and there was like this, oh, well, we don't need bands like that. We want the DJs. Not that I don't like that, but if you're a guy that plays an instrument, you're like, okay, you're saying your club doesn't yeah. want guys that with like instruments. <laughs> and it seems like now that's kind of going coming back again. Yeah. People want to see people actually yeah, play. I've noticed that um, a lot more people started to do that. Um, it does suck that this virus just started to happen, you know, right as things were starting to get good. Just but... when that's happening. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of disappointing because, like, I was yeah, going to be playing I had, like in Boston and New York, shows and then now, yeah. and everyone's <laughs> shows are getting pushed back. Um, I mean, it's a good thing that everyone's being safe, but it it does suck that it happened at all. <laughs> yeah, it's just like artists would like you know, like I, I I'm I have another day job. I'm a, I'm a techie, you know. I'm I'm like a programmer type of person. And, you know, I, yeah. I would rather do my music all day, um, really. Um, but, you know, in the world is starting to get such that, you know, there, I'm getting more and more opportunities yeah. where it's starting to become more of my day. Um, and so that's always good. Like you say, it's like kind of a creative age, which is what we want. You know, we want to kind of go yeah. back to the way like you felt like in the 60s. It's you could so be long. in like a, that kind of hippie commune. And you, yeah, and you have like the deck. I mean, the yeah. deck were like the ultimate hippie commune, if you thought about it. It's, they were able to do what they wanted and be free and write their yeah, music I, and have their music become like the, the whole thing. And I that's think that kind of what people want to do soon. And um, I, it was just, it was such a good time period to be able to see, you know, five, leg- five legendary bands at a time somewhere. You know, I think that we're going to be able to say that at some point in our lifetimes that we saw, you know, three or four legendary bands that become legendary together at, at one show yeah yeah it's like you'd be able to you know back in the day you got to feel graham you'd be able to go see like yeah. the allman brothers play like you know which i actually have i saw oh, the really? i've seen the almonds i actually went to woodstock and saw and i saw green day and nine inch nails so cool. i saw yeah, I have the mud getting thrown at you know I was there in the crowd seeing so the mud cool. get thrown. I got some on me. But, <laughs> but oh, yeah, wow. but, I mean, that was like to really, you know, as a musician, to be in that, that Woodstock was probably like, because I mean, the weird thing about that Woodstock is like I'm 50 years old. So I, I grew up, you know, idolizing the original Woodstock and the Hendrix performance and the Santana performance. And so when they, when they offered, they, they, they actually did it again. Like people yeah. in my generation, you know, that went there. We were like, we were dying for that. We're like, that's what we want. And so when we went there, it was yeah. just amazing to see bands like Green Day and and Nine Inch Nails, and they just like they kicked nailed it out the park, and it yeah, was just there, a there great so many experience. You know? They got to see really stellar, legendary shows, and we are definitely due for one. Yeah, yeah, you guys are due for seeing something like that, you know. That was probably the best show I'd ever seen. I, I saw some really great. I mean, I saw Parliament Funkadel. I've seen the Who. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I saw some great bands. Um, but but that was just amazing yeah. to see Green Day at like the height of their capability. You know, and Nine Inch Nails at the top of their game. Oh yeah, that performance. I mean, those are like great bands. You know, of that era. Yeah, 
you know, to feel that, you know, that that's why I love that kind of punk aesthetic of always like what Trent did and what Green Day did. You know, even though I'm a keyboardist, I've always been drawn to bands yeah. that kind of have that driving power. And even the Who, I mean, the Who yeah. to me were the original punks, you know, and, and the, the Who had a sound. It's not like Zep. It's not like the Beatles. Yeah, and that's, it, that's it's what kind drives of me to play songs like that because I, I originally wrote songs that were slower, more industrial, um, that were more sad. And uh, I always wanted to play like more like louder, more aggressive kind of music also just because the energy, it was, it was such like a, a compelling energy that it's like, well, yeah. I have to, I, I have to do that too. So I, I jump from like genre to genre because it's like, yeah. but I could be doing this because this is cool, but I could be over here and have this energy and this energy is cool. So. So did you feel the energy when you do your new slug noise sounded that that's very satisfying when you play it yeah. like live that you felt like more energized yeah because then your it's other like, genres it's that you had done entirely me and it's like i can i can be as loud as i want and get the punk sound but i can also write slow stuff and sing in the same song you know i can sing in the same song i'm yelling in and it fits and i can i can do yeah. all these things and i can do a sassy voice you know, make fun of something that, you know, I, I don't agree with. And it's, I can do all these different things and it's all defined as one thing that I made. Yeah. That's why I kind of created like expansive sound is like my little like sub genre I've done for my music. And it's a mixture of progressive, like synthesis going back to yes, but I also bring in like who's to do and the replacements and the clash. Yeah. So, and, and I also bring in like Sunrock and, and Coltrane and stuff. So I like mixing, slamming jazz and rock and punk into this thing I call expansive sound, which is, you know, it's hard to describe, but it's like, I want, I want to be able to play complicated things that are jazz oriented but also kind of yeah, kick it you out shouldn't write like the clash if i want defined to. by one um, genre when you write music you shouldn't have a genre in mind anyway yeah yeah, yeah just be let it go where it's gonna go and in my some of my songs are kind of like little mini rock operas and the key changes and you know they, they kind of rhythm changes so you know that progressive yeah. type of music kind of goes where it's gonna go um and so it gives you a lot of open, that gives you open space and it gives you the ability to say, I don't have to yeah. be constrained because I'm not saying I'm a trance artist. I'm not saying I'm a dubstep or I'm a bass drum. I'm, then I'm kind of locked in. That's what I think happened to like EDM artists again. Like, well, there's a certain structure to EDM. Yeah. And yeah. then if you try to go outside of it, then you're not in it. And, yeah. and if you kind of got to be willing to, mm -hmm. to expand the genre. And if you kind of get locked into something where it's got to, like the drop and it's got a certain structure and you can't get anybody to get out of it then you kind of yeah. you know you, you they could die like disco <laughs> yeah and I, if it gets I too really locked like into the form being able to play different kinds of music at like a punk show or something like that like i go and people want to hear my punk songs but they also have to sit through and listen to my slower songs the ones that i have like ukulele and stuff like that which i was I was nervous about that at first, trying to like oh, play cool. slower stuff at punk shows and stuff, but people actually really like it, and it does make me like think about how Bad Brains used to also play really slow, like 
reggae or stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. well the Clash, too. I mean, the Clash yeah, were a really punk band, but they too. did, like, world music. They did hip-hop. They did. They were able yeah, to, like, Sandinista you know, you is, like, all like over the map. It's really cool because, like, you, you go to shows, like, punk shows, and then you get to see people, like, actually sit down or actually dance instead of, like, mosh or something. You know, you see different sides of people. They're not just sticking to one thing. Yeah. That's why I thought was great about the class. They always touched that they were the only band you need to know because, well, because, well, at the time they, they were so innovative in that they weren't, yeah. what, they, they did not want to just be punk. Yeah. They, they were a great band. They could go anywhere. And that's, I think, was the, is the, is the kind of lesson about the class. It's like, you see that in grunge because Nirvana didn't just do punk. They kind of wide open, yeah, beetle yeah. ass. Kurt Cobain covered you know, progressive. a David Bowie song. You know, um, they, he covered a Lead Belly song. They, yeah, I mean, he did like, yeah, yeah. he was willing to kind of go and slow it down and 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 to kind of be introspective, that harsh thing so you could hear what he was, was saying to him. And you know, mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah, exactly he just was a great songwriter. I mean, he's just also. Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear that in your music. I hear the Courtney influence. I hear, I hear the Nirvana influence. Thank you know, it's you. got got that Riot Girl kind of Sleater Keeney thing to it to a certain. You know, it's, I love that yeah. kind of sound. I mean, I, I was a big fan of Liz Fair, you know, Exile and Guyville, and I just like yeah. the fact that she just went out there and did what she wanted. You know, she just expressed herself, and I think any strong mm-hmm. female, you know, bands like Julianne Hatfield, um, you know, they, they, I've always been drawn to. I've even gone back. To like the Velvet Underground and Nico, um, I was I was mm-hmm. really drawn into what Lou Reed used to do with the Velvets, um, which was very progressive with Andy Warhol yeah. and this kind of mixture of art and punk, and in kind of poetry has always been something I I, I kind of gravitate mm-hmm. towards. So you only find that in the indie world because yeah. nobody wants to do take the risk. <laughs> in in once in a while, you get somebody in pop music that will take a risk and they get to be popular. Like oh, yeah. Prince is probably the most experimental pop mu- yeah, musician to ever too. get big. Because <laughs> if you, you never would have got, I mean, he's super experimental yeah. and normally you can't do that. And he, he was able to break the yeah. rules about what you can do in pop music, which was very really interesting to me. But I think anybody yeah, that does that, definitely. that's what you want to do. Um. <laughs> And I hear that well, in your music. You. That's why I'm really drawn to it. I think you you got some really good stuff. I, I want to see what happens when you push it out and you you develop it further. Because the stuff you have now, I like the rawness of it. I kind of like the kind of like the girly sound tapes that uh, Liz Fair had. You know that she just published last year. The original stuff that was before it became Exile and Guyville. I oh, always yeah. like people's demos. <laughs> I've always been drawn to, I'll go back and listen to like archives and I realize I want to hear that demo. I want to hear the, you know, yeah. before you put all the stuff on it. Cause sometimes that yeah, actually really kicks I like to do that too, more than it gives anything. People you know? something to listen to while the music's actually coming out. And it's like, they get used to hearing that, you know, they hear yeah. the same thing over and over. And then I come out with the actual finished version and it's like hearing something all over again for the first time. And yeah, and no one's going to be focusing on yeah, what I the think guitar that's and really bass cool. are doing with all of this other stuff going on. They're going to be focusing on it as a whole. 
or all these random things going on in the background. So it's nice to give someone something to like be like, hey, pay attention to this part specifically, and then I'll give you more. Yeah, I think it's really cool that we have the ability to give people, um, you know, music every day if we want to, you know, or, or in, you know, like early versions of of a before a finished product, um, you know. And that's I think that's one of the cool things about this streaming service. Is the only thing I think that is showing the weakness of the current music model is musicians yeah. can't make a living on the current model <laughs> without without touring, and something's got to change you know, going forward so that we can actually still have an industry where people can, you know, the one thing I would always, I, 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 I used to talk to my friends, like how come a kid is willing to spend $50 on a PlayStation Xbox game, but they're not yeah. willing to spend $10 to buy a record. Um, so you know, the, the valuation of music as art has become not, you know, people don't yeah. value it as they do software. Um, and I think people need to understand musicians, you know, they have to make a living. If you love your band, like yeah. if you love a band, you, yeah. you need to buy the album. <laughs> you need to support them because like yeah, you can buy an exactly. Xbox game, but you can't um, buy a record. I, I think that we're starting to get a few people that are, are liking the, the more artistic side where more people are starting to go towards like vinyls instead of just selling like regular CDs. Like they have to be creative with it because it yeah. has to be something that, you know, people want. Anyone can download your music you know well you want to do you want to go back and present the full artistic package and what i liked about vinyl is that you can have a really interesting um liner notes you have really the art the musician can work with artists or be an artist right you know have interesting Mm -hmm. pictures and art to go with a project And, and then you can actually make the album a a very, you know, yeah. an intimate artistic experience between the fan and 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 you know, and the artist, and and you know, a CD yeah. started to lose that because the size you lost the the canvas, and I think people are appreciated when bands have vinyl that has like an interesting yeah. liner notes, interesting pictures or posters or yeah, when yeah, uh, I think gives when you and they're willing to buy with it. that album like Clockwork. They uh they released a vinyl for it, and they also released like a flash card that was unique to them. That was like it, I think it had like a cue on it, and it it was like really cool. They had like this whole thing set up for like pre-orders and stuff, and that was like really cool to me. It was worth you know however much it cost just because it was unique to them, and it was something that I could only get then. You know, I wouldn't be able to find this on Amazon. You know. Yeah, well, fans like like yeah, a guy like Tyler yeah. the Creator, he creates alternate versions of his records. You buy the vinyl, you buy the CD, yeah. you get these really interesting alternate really covers, that. different liner notes, mm-hmm. different pictures, and people will buy that. You know, we, when you do that, then people will actually, well, there's some reason to buy this yeah, record. It's got different covers, got different artwork, it's got bonus tracks, you know, Spotify or anything like that. That's that's something you can hold in your hand. Yeah. that's unique for you. Yeah, I found that people are willing to buy my my CDs. I do do CDs through like Amazon, and if I go do a show in New York, people will buy them. Yeah. And I'll sign them. You know, they want the physical. Um, so that that works, and that's you can do pretty good at a micro level. You can print like five hundred CDs or 
you know, 500 vinyls. You yeah. don't have to go crazy doing 10,000. You can still do good um, as an mm-hmm. artist. So that's how we kind of do it at little micro batches. Yeah. And you can, you can actually yeah, I, do I, okay. I think that we just, we have to get a lot more creative and with think, it now. It's not, yeah. it's not that easy to just burn a CD and hand it to someone. Yeah. I mean, everybody, yeah. The attention span is is the big critical thing. You're like people playlist so much and they don't listen to albums, but you can get mm-hmm. your fans to listen to an album if you do something really creative. You know, I think so. If you do something that is an idea that can hone in on and on what what people are feeling or they can recognize yeah. something, then people will listen to an album. Um, it just you just have to as an artist like get them to to, yeah. to, to, to you know buy your vision <laughs> or feel your vision then they will buy your vision if they feel it you know so you can connect to your the generation and not make them understand you know art is worth you know taking your time yeah to listen to it and not just jump around um that's where you have to kind of drive yeah. get people to realize like well you know this tells a story and if you just hear one song you're mm-hmm. not going to hear the whole story so you kind of get them pulled in yeah you got to draw them yeah, in like a novel. <laughs> with my music, um, I, I um, try to do that where they're all kind of connected in a way, but every song sounds so different. Like, it's all coming from the same person, and it's all the same the same yeah, feelings and all that, but it's it's expressed differently every time. I think that's the classic structure of any great album, is like, you, the, you can have individually yeah. different pieces but they all yeah, are cohesive but they can be very different and sergeant peppers is like yeah sergeant peppers yeah. is that i mean it's it's all it doesn't even really have a theme it's, a, it's just a psychedelic album that it feels like it goes together but you can like what's the story well it's not really a story but but it just has a yeah a cohesive album feel you know and later bands like pink floyd actually did full concepts and who did full concepts but sergeant peppers you can say well that's the album but we're like well, how how can you describe what it's supposed to be? It, it really does. It just kind of feels also, like it goes together. Is that they stand out so much that they they live longer than the people that wrote them, just because they they managed to make something so good and sell sell so well that it's just it's living through other generations. Yeah, even this generation that doesn't like to like yeah. to skip around will listen to Abbey yeah, Road I'm, and Sgt. Pepper all the way through, you know, which shows yeah, you that you can, you do, can it. do it. You just have to write really at that level. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just gotta yeah, re- <clears throat> you gotta realize that you gotta put the effort in. <clears throat> but um, yeah, so I'm I'm very happy that we had the conversation. And once you get your full project out, the last band I talked to, every band I talked to. When you have your um your next project or your thing that you want to pitch, okay. we always have we've had people come on three four times on the show, so so when you're ready um, and you're touring again or you want to promote your your late your your updated project um, yeah, or your full wonderful. project, we can have you come back on and we can talk about it. Yeah, we we love that. We, we that's how we we're surviving during this whole Rona thing. Um, we're kind of doubling down on our social media and using this um, to like, you know, so it's great for us to talk to other musicians, with, yeah. you know, and get, you know, ideas from other people. So we, we love doing it. We like to give people um, a platform to push their music. Mm-hmm. We feel indie artists need as much, many tools as possible. 
we are part of Spotify, Spotify, and we're gonna. This is gonna get published on Spotify and Apple and Google Play and like uh, full, fully on eleven different podcast platforms. So later tonight, I will send you the most popular links to Spotify, Anchor, and um, you know Overcast and those those ones, um, uh, and you'll be able to share them. And we also have integration with Instagram, where Spotify version of the Spotify version of this podcast will be a highlight on our Instagram, and people click That's on it, it will go right to the um, the Spotify podcast. So yeah, that's kind of cool. That's one of the cool things yeah, about being cool. with guys who are yeah, with Spotify. I, I look forward to listening to it. <laughs> they, they got the linkage. To, to, well, thank you very much for being on, and everybody, um, check out your your SoundCloud. Not yet. I'm gonna um, wait. Until you have a YouTube, but you're not on putting anything Spotify on Spotify, and then I'll post it. Yeah, thank you so okay. much for having me. Yeah, I saw me. that link. But I went there and didn't see anything, so I figured to ask you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to push this out tonight. I hope you have a great night and get through this whole thing. We'll all get this through this together. We all work together as artists. So thank you very much for being on the show.